0: This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Amen, amen, glory to God. Good morning, good morning, amen. We honor the spirit of Christ. And we thank God for this glorious day with all heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father and our God, we do love you. We thank you for first loving us, for drawing us into thyself. Lord, we are so blessed that we can call you Papa, Father, Lord, Redeemer. Lord, we pray that uh, as your word goes forth, that it will fall on fertile soil. We pray now that if someone who does not know you and the free pardon of their sin might be convicted and say, Lord, I yield, what must I do to be saved? Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. Throw your weight around, have your way in us. We love you and we thank you, in Jesus' name we do pray and give thanks, amen. Good morning, good morning, I want to invite you to Luke chapter 19, a familiar passage of scripture. I want to use as a sermon theme, Jesus can still set you free. Jesus can still set you free. Luke chapter 19, I would like to begin reading in your hearing, verse 28. This is what it says When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, go into the village opposite you, where, as you enter, you will find a donkey tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why are you loosing it, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the donkey, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the donkey? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the donkey and he went. Many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest. So ends the reading of God's word. Jesus can still set you free. This is the Sunday before Christ is crucified. Many were wondering whether or not he would indeed show up. There was a price on his head. Uh, Jesus was familiar with Jerusalem. He had been there many times. But this was going to be different. Jesus would be making it known that he was the Messiah. And he would be making his way into Jerusalem to die for your sins and mine. It had already been planned out, and now Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. In Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. The colt, the foal of a donkey. But before Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem, he gives his two of these unnamed disciples some very specific instructions. He says, I want you to go into town, and when you get there, you'll find a donkey tied. I want you to loose it and bring it back to me. And if anyone should ask you why are you loosing the donkey, let them know that the Lord has need of it. They went and they did as Jesus had instructed them to do. But I I must admit, I was arrested by this this untying, loosing, unloosing. Between verses 30 and 33, we see it mentioned five times. Jesus knew something about the language. He was a wordsmith. He, He knew about the economy of words. I believe that he really was trying to make a point that Jesus Christ is, indeed, the liberator. Remember, the coat was tied. And in order for it to be of use to him, it had to be untied. It was no use for him if it was fettered, if it could not move, but, but once it was loosed, Jesus could use this beast of burden. Jesus, the great liberator. I want to ask you a question. Um, What are you tied to? You don't have to all rush and put your hand up at one time, but I'd be the first to admit that there's some stuff that I've been tied to that has interfered with my walk with Jesus. Any honest folk in here? Anybody willing to confess that that there are some things, some stuff, some habits, some ideas, some practices, some beliefs that are not Christ-honoring, and they are keeping us from being all that we can be in Christ Jesus? I came with some good news. You can smile now because Jesus came to loose us from some of those things, habits, attitudes that are holding us back. Come on, that ought to make you happy. You, You ought to say, you know what, I thought it was bad when I came in here, but the preacher said that Christ can loose me from some things that are holding me back, getting in the way of me being all that I can be for Christ Jesus. Don't you want to be all that you can be for him? Listen, when you were out in the world, you were all that you could be for the world. Don't look at me like that. We did all manner of stuff. We gave it our best. We were all in. But now I wanna be all in for him. I used to dance one way, but I've changed partners. I, I now dance for him. Ah, he's a liberator. Some stuff you're dealing with right now that's got you bound. Oh, but he came. And on that Palm Sunday, he wants to remind us that that I am indeed one who can still set free. And if I could loose that donkey, you are more vital and important to me then that burst, beast of beaten, burden, that you and I are of value to him. Some of us are tied to habits and, and, and trying to please people. to ignore it, and it brings you more pain, more hurt, more disappointment, and life for you is not working. I don't wonder why. You got baggage on you. It's not working. It? It's not. I'm pretty bad. Sure. <laughs> I This is a distraction, so keep, stay with me. Um, and I thank you. I, I'm not trying to minimize. You, you, you're fettered. And the only way you're going to get free is for Jesus to set you free. Um, uh, the Lord has a plan and a purpose for your life. Uh, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, And not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that something? It's not his will that you and I be fettered and tied to anything. He he has a future and a hope for us. Um, he, He says things like, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, I will give you perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me because we trust in thee. Those are invitations for you and I to come and and be set free. Now, if Jesus could liberate a donkey, what makes you think that he does not want to loose you from whatever it is that's holding you down? All I'm saying is, beloved, that, that freedom is available. But you have to be willing to turn it over to him and turn our lives over to him. Uh, C.I. Scofield was a real rascal. He wrote the uh, Scofield Reference Bible. But before he did that, he was some rascal. Oh my gosh, he he embezzled $1,800 from his mother-in-law. he, he was one who took campaign funds after he had been a, appointed a US attorney for the state of Kansas. He was locked up for a while. And then he just loved to drink and chase women. But one day, he got a visit from Thomas McPeters, who was a friend. He was in his law office. And, and, and McPeters came to his office and said, Schofield, how you doing, man? I'm... He said, Schofield, I want to ask you a question. How come you're not a Christian? Schofield was shocked. What do you, mean? you didn't ask that kind of thing back then. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a marginal, nominal Episcopalian. He said, I didn't ask you that. He said, why are you not a Christian? And Schofield finally came clean and said, no one has ever taught me how to become a Christian. And McPeters pulled up a chair, took out his pocket Bible, and began to walk through verses of scripture with Schofield. He finished and said, Schofield, now what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to think about it. He said, no, (laughs) you're thinking about it, days are over. And at that point, both men dropped on their knees, and Schofield confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and did not go back to the drink chasing women or anything. Became a conference preacher, became a pastor, hung out with folks the likes of Dwight D. Moody and others. The, hung out with Schaefer, who was the founder of Dallas Theological Seminary. In other words, he changed his life because he knew that he could be unfettered from those things that were holding him back. What's your story? Uh, we all got a story to tell. What is it that you're letting hold you back? The Bible in John 8 it says then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free and mm, that's something the truth that sets you free so if if he's willing if he's gonna free me and loose me from this stuff uh, what what is my role in this do I just say let go and let God nah baby that ain't gonna work <laughs> it's a little bit more to it than just let go and let God I, I've always been puzzled by that because That suggests that there's nothing you have to do on your part. No, ultimately he does it all, but he does it through you. In other words, we have a part to play in getting well. Just ask the the drug addict, who's now been clean and sober for 30 years. Just ask the person who's financial, was in financial ruin and now got their credit back. It took some effort. It took you doing your part, coming alongside of him, as you were getting better and growing more in him. We're in this thing of do-it-yourselfism. I know you go to Lowe's and Home Depot. I, I know that, and you pick up all the stuff, and, and now you have in your mindset, you know what? I can do, it. I can do this myself. No, you can't get yourself right. Because if you could, you would have done it alongside a long time ago. No, you need help. You need the aid of the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and convicting you. You need a believer who's going to come alongside of you and help you become all that you can become in Christ Jesus. You cannot do it by yourself. That is nothing but a lie from the enemy. And so many of us in Christendom have have got this misguided notion did I got this rugged individualism and I can do this thing on my own? No, you can't. That's why he gave you a partner, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, in you and alongside of you. Because he knew you could not do it by yourself. So find your one thing. I want to challenge you. Find your one thing that's keeping you from being all that you can be in Christ. Christ. And listen, and then find scriptures that will help undergird you as you're aiming and walking closer to Him. In other words, the Word of God is transformative. The more you hang out with the Word, it has a way of changing you. Come on, Bible readers. You know you've been hanging around that word long enough and some of the thoughts you used to have, you bring under submission and you no longer think like that. And if you do, you you flee from it. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Find scriptures. I want to labor here for a minute because I don't want to run by that too fast. Find some scriptures that can help you as you go through that season of testing. Okay, maybe fear is your thing. You're just afraid. I, you, you look at the news, you hear all this stuff, and you're just in a state of, Well, then maybe you need to hang out of Scripture Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Hang out there for a moment. Hang out, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Begin to bathe yourself in the word of God as you begin to go through the loosing process. Do your part. Guys in addiction used to tell me all the time, they say, listen, man, you can't hang around a hot dog stand and not want a hot dog. You can't hang around where you used to sling dope and now all of a sudden think you're not gonna want something. Take Jesus at his word and be willing to do your part to get better. I'm gonna make it personal. Um, uh, I guess about six, seven months ago, doctor said, uh, uh, Mr. Nix said, uh, she said, you done picked up a little weight. And I was, I was about seven pounds and 300. So before I left, she gave me a prescription. Hurt my feelings. I thought we were on a different level than that. And she gave me that thing and she said, listen, you, you, you need to take metformin. Now I was already taking high blood pressure and cholesterol, and then now I'm taking three more pills. So that's five. I'm like, oh wait, whoa, 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 wait. So, and then I read the side effects. So I'm on my knees about now. And, and I said, Lord, listen. I want to continue to do ministry and to be, can, be able to continue to be used by you to do some great and mighty things. That's what you told me was going to happen if I trust you. And, and I said, I need you to help me become more disciplined with my appetite. I, I need you to help me so I can no longer have to keep taking this stuff to feel better. So. Uh, they, they gave me all the stuff, these webinars I had to go through and told me about the color of the plate and carbohydrates versus proteins, and I, I, I did all of that. And guess what? It worked. <laughs> Brother lost some weight and got offered a medication. Amen. Yeah, amen, amen. I, I, and, and listen, it was nobody but the Lord, Nobody but it was a nobody but Jesus. But I had to do my part to be loosed from something that was hurting me that was going to interfere with my ability to keep doing my bidding for him let me move uh, let Jesus work through you to help free others it's going to be a little tight but it's right the text says that Jesus sent two of his disciples to go and loose the colt. The colt could not loose itself. Now, I can imagine, first of all, be open when the Lord prompts you to intervene or or come up near someone or or, or engage them. He works through people. And part of it is being open to his prompting, his nudging you to do something. Sometimes folk in the condition that they're in, Lord, put them right before us, and we're afraid to say something. We have what they need, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we are afraid. You may be the only Jesus that they see. He wants to use you to help loose some folks that are tied to some stuff. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus gave these fellows the instructions, nowhere in the text does it suggest that they were Jesus. Now wait a minute. We here, and you said the village opposite us, and you mean to tell us you there's gonna be a donkey tied. No one's ever sat on it, and you want us to bring it back to you, and if someone says, Why are you doing this? You want us just to let them know that you have need of it? That that took some faith. Because some of us would have been like, Come on, man, he ain't know what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see what they did? They were obedient to the instructions that Jesus had given them. Here's my point learn to be obedient. Even when it doesn't seem to make sense to what the Lord has told you to do, because he is not going to tell you to do something that's going to get you hurt, harmed, or in danger. Well, hanging out with Jesus, though, <laughs> can sometimes be a little tricky. But at the end of the day, you know you're okay anyway because you're with him. But, but there's, Isaiah 54 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. That has become one of my favorite anchor verses. Because what he's saying is, I've given you the tongue of a learner. That just means the disciple, a follower of Christ, that you in season might be able to give a word of hope and help to someone who is bound. So what I'm saying is keep your eyes open for opportunities that you might be able to use to help someone who is weary. They're tired of being bound. And Jesus has you close to them so that they can hopefully see Christ in you and wanna know more about your Jesus. I'm not saying that they're gonna make a conversion on the spot, of course not. But it might be just you befriending them. They didn't watch you long enough to see that there's something different about you, so you're now a person with some degree of credibility because they've been watching you. Now, conversely, if you're out here trying to do everything slick, Joe, and Willie, I mean, then maybe they're not going to hear anything you got to say. So you have to, live, you have to live up to who you say you are in Christ. So you got to kind of watch how you walk, because you, know, you know they're watching, waiting to see what you're going to do. Um, let, 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 me, let me help. Um, several years ago, The, brother's, uh, was the brother that was a swimmer, um, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was going through a season of testing. I think most of us know, and it's public knowledge. Phelps was going through some, some real issues, and he gets in touch with Ray Lewis. Well, that was probably a good hookup, because Ray knew something about some troubles too. And they developed, they, 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 they were talking. And he met him where he was, and, and Ray Lewis, it's told, or reported, gave him a copy of Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, and, and, and uh, Michael Phelps said, you know, this book was transformational for me, uh, basically it talked me off the ledge, and as a result of this, I was able to reconcile with my father, who I'd been estranged from. But it's all because this man inconvenienced himself so that he could help a brother who was hurting God has you where you are for a reason and he wants us to open our eyes and see how we can help someone who is hurting all right maybe that didn't do it um remember when Lazarus had been dead for four days I think it was about four days it's just like he's stinketh by now Jesus where you lay him at they moved the stone and then Jesus goes, Lazarus, come forth. An old preacher used to say he had to say Lazarus because if he didn't, everybody in the graveyard would have got up. That's what they said. I, I didn't believe it, but it kind of made sense. It could have happened that way. But, but, but my point is, and, and then it says, Lazarus came forth. And, you know, me and my imagination is like, did he just like, you know, what did he do? And I'm thinking, I'm laughing, but that's exactly what he had to do. Remember, he had grave clothes on. Brother could not walk. He couldn't walk. And here's a kicker, and it says, and Jesus said to them. Ah, don't run by that too fast. Jesus said, who are the them he was talking about? Those who were closest to him, who could see his predicament, and then had to respond to what they saw. Let me ask you this, when you see folks hopping? And hurting. Ah, you ready to help unbandage them? Because it was long strips of cloth that they would use to wrap folks with, so they had to un. It it took some effort. And hang around dead folks was against all manner of law back then. But but someone had to untie this man. So so I'm just saying, be be mindful of opportunities to be used by God to help loose some people. It may just be a conversation. It may be an email. You may have to go in your pocket and give them some coins or cash. I don't know. But, but make, my, make yourself available to see how you can help loose someone. And it's amazing the kind of indebtedness people have to you once you have shown them the way. They seem to have a to. They You now have established a bond. Because, see, you spoke life into them. You inconvenienced yourself. You made yourself available. And now they want to reciprocate. They want to at least lean in and say, how you doing? And show you some kind of mutual love and respect. Because you took time to be with them. Third and last, let Jesus use you to bring him glory. Every time we read that whole story, listen, the triumphant entry is in all four of the Gospels. That's how significant it was. All of the writers had to include it. They all included it, and it's interesting because... uh, You would think this donkey would not get that level of attention. It's just a donkey, I mean. But without that donkey, Jesus wasn't going to be able to ride into Jerusalem. He did not come on a steed. The Jews thought he should have been on a stallion because he was a man of war. He was a man of peace. He was very intentional and deliberate about what he rode in on. Peace, humility. Not a steed, not a stallion not a war horse and Jesus used this donkey to sit on and make his way into Jerusalem and the people just went crazy that that donkey will always be remembered for being in service to the Lord If he could use a donkey to bring him glory and we are more valuable than a donkey, what would happen if we made ourselves available to him to be used to bring glory, praise, honor, worship unto him? I thought about the man and. Mark chapter 5, Gadarenes. Remember the madman who was living among the tombs? He looks up and he spots Jesus. He runs to Jesus. And then he says, Jesus, what do you have to do with me? And and the Bible says Jesus called out the, the evil spirit. And Jesus was ready to get into the boat and go back to the other side. But then Jesus said, no, I don't want you to, you can't go with us. As a matter of fact, what I want you to do is go home and tell your family and friends what the Lord has done for you. Ah. (laughs) He, He was going to bring glory to Jesus because he remembered where he used to be. He remembered when he was in the graveyard cutting himself with stones. And the Bible says, screaming day and night. fetters, chains could not hold him. But now, the Bible says he was clothed in his right mind. (sighs) And here he is. Jesus said, I'm going to use you to go to the Decapolis, those nine cities, and I want to use you to tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. In other words, I want you to give God glory. And that's all he's still asking us to do. When he sets you free, when he delivers us, we now have a responsibility and obligation to go and tell what the Lord has done. Not to hold it to yourself and and just nurse on it. No, no shout from the rooftops. Lord, if it had not been for you on my side, I don't know where I would be. Let God use you for his glory. Each one of us right now have a story to tell about how God has been so good to us. Even in the midst of difficulty and pain, God has been faithful to his word. He kept you through over 24 months of a pandemic. He kept your children. See, y'all act like, listen. When the Lord's been good to you, you don't care. Look, I'll be a fool for Jesus if I have to. And you can look at me like you're crazy all you want. But God has been too good. And I'll shout from the rooftops, if it had not been for him, I don't know where I would be. He's a good God. And he's worthy of our praise. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same the songwriter said, I came to Jesus just as I was, weary, wounded, and sad. I found in him, let me repeat that, I found in him a resting place, and he, not my education, and he, not my wealth, and he, not my contact, and he, not Democrat, Republican, Independent, but he has made me glad. I think I covered about all of them, didn't I? Amen. I'm finished. I'm going to leave y'all alone. Bless us, y'all. Y'all been a blessing to us today. Just want to let you know that. I'm done. God bless you.